the nature of the yang classes we're kind of like doing 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 more and more and more and actually you've experienced how much more space you can create both in your body and in your mind when you do less when actually you slow down and i think that is really the one of the most beautiful thing about yin yoga and i'm so pleased that you found that as well physically as well as mentally and, and emotionally i'm sure as well you know being able just to witness these cycles like through the day and because as lucy mentioned each season correlates to an emotion as well so you know when we're feeling stuff we can we can start to kind of correlate it to like oh you know okay i'm feeling this maybe i need more rest Now let the magic begin. Hello, hello, and Jemayomis. It's Raquel, and welcome to Your Own Magic, a podcast for the creative and the curious soul. And as always, the sponsors you hear today and their special offers will be linked in the show notes, along with ways to connect with myself, the Your Own Magic community, and of course, our lovely guests today, Rachel Fernley and Lucy Foster Perkins, who have been on this show before, as we had a fun conversation, man, I think it was 2019, around November or December of 2019 in Bali, in Rachel's home in Bali. That was such a special time. And so I felt really connected with these women and I had to have them back on the show. And I'm so thankful that this episode turned out absolutely brilliant, not only in the messaging, but tech-wise. As Rachel was in Bali, Lucy was in the UK, and I in Utah. So we're all over the map. They're in very beautiful places. But yeah, it worked out for you to enjoy. I really do appreciate Rachel and Lucy. They are so gracious and are the real deal in practicing what they preach. And they both lead retreats and they co-founded the Whole Health Project. And I know you're going to be able to learn so much from them. I learned so much this episode. Rachel has been teaching yoga and breathwork around the globe for about a decade, I believe. And Lucy left her professional dancing career to teach yoga to surfers and to surf the world, which you'll be able to tell it is her passion. It's a very strong passion. And you'll hear that they are also both very passionate about yin yoga and meditation and mindfulness and being able to alleviate adrenal fatigue and expanding their business at their own pace. And I love how they articulated this for you. It's in their blood to work hard and it seems as though they have a lot of yang energy, yet they have found a beautiful peace and power to simply loving the yin and learning to appreciate taking it slow. So basically, there are many golden nuggets for you throughout the episode. So let's get on with the show, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Rachel Fernley and Lucy Foster Perkins. All right, welcome back, Lucy and Rachel. I'm so thankful you guys came on again for a second time, and I'm so glad to have you back. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, we're across the world. <laughs> yes, we're all in completely different time zones. <laughs> I'm in the Rocky Mountains. Lucy is in the UK, right? Right, yeah. And then, are you in London? I'm in London, yeah. 
Oh, I love London. What part of London? I'm in Hackney, which is the cool area. <laughs> <laughs> is it? And everyone who's in any other part of London is now rolling their eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay. Yeah. I was that... in, I had a flat, a small, small studio flat because it's expensive in Kensington. Oh, yeah. But I had one there because it was next to a Whole Foods. Oh, <laughs> Kensington is beautiful. Yeah, I'm on the opposite end. So you were southwest, I'm I'm northwest. Uh, northeast but um yeah and rent is crazy here as well (laughs) right I'm sure it is all over UK and then where rent is a little nicer but I think that the prices are spiking is also Bali where Rachel is Rachel are you in Chenggu Mm -hmm. I am still in Chenggu I'm I'm in a different place to where we met you a few years back I'm now in a place called Pererenan but it's gorgeous and yes Bali has just opened up or it's just starting (gasps) to open up so Prices are starting also to rise, but that's okay. Oh my gosh, how was it? I have to, I'm so curious how it was during the Mm. peak of the pandemic when there wasn't any tourism or Bollywood had closed its doors for everybody to come in. It was, it, it was a real mix of things. I think that many places would people in many places would say similar things, especially a a tourism place. So of course, on the one hand, it was amazing because there were no tourists and the roads were quiet. I could get to places ridiculously quickly. Um, You know, it was very peaceful. There was really just a core community here. But obviously, on the other hand, Um, you know, the tourism industry got absolutely decimated. So, so many people were out of work, you know, it, it really impacted the locals a lot more than the, you know, expats here, because a lot of us work online. So, you know, we're able to kind of continue running our businesses to some degree. I mean, we have an in-person retreat, so that closed. So we didn't, we didn't escape unharmed from the pandemic, um, you know, financially and business-wise, but we were able to recreate something so it was a real it was a real double-edged sword you know it was it was there was a beauty to it but there was also a a a real sadness and a real deep challenge to it Mm, that's what I was worried about when it came to us thinking about the locals especially those that rely on the tourism and there are many locals there that I remember Mm. were just so thankful to have us around and they had their businesses thriving on that so I'm happy that they've opened the doors so they can continue to thrive again Yes, yes. And it will be a little while. I I actually spoke to one of my uh, massage ladies the other day. And, you know, as things are getting busier, I said, oh, have you started to get more clients now? And she's like, no, Mm. not yet. So although, you know, the road's getting busy and people are coming back, it hasn't translated yet. It's going to be a minute. Into you know, across the board, people are receiving money. Not yet. Right. Well, also so many people I know in the States, at least like are struggling financially after the pandemic. So vacation is not not the top of their list. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But hopefully soon it will go back into the way it was. Yeah. But anyway, so what is lighting you both up most in the season of your life? And feel free to take turns. Um, How about Lucy? Do you want to start? Well, I've got a pretty big thing <laughs> happening right now in my life and she is sitting sitting in my belly and Aww. she's <laughs> she's a little baby. Congratulations. So, um, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, so she is due in 4 weeks and 
so that's um that's my big thing at the moment i i came i was in bali with rachel and um for the pandemic until um june this year and had only planned to come back for a couple of months to visit my family in the uk because it had been two and a half years and um i came back and uh, met the man of my life <laughs> and we accidentally but it is a great accident got pregnant in the first week <laughs> so Wait, <what>? that... <laughs> <laughs> I love this story I love this story I've actually fantasized of a similar story happening to me you just you never know wow. yeah so life changed pretty quickly around and I, I I was saying to a friend today I think if someone told me if you know you're going to go back to the UK and you're not going to go back to Bali I probably wouldn't have left Bali but um, it has all happened exactly um, as it should, and I'm I'm really happy. And um, you know, I've met the man of my dreams, and we're having a baby, which is something that I really wanted to bring into the world. Although I just didn't think it was going to be this way. <laughs> so um, now we're we're um, yeah we're we're nine almost nine months in, and um, baby's coming soon. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting! Congratulations! Do you have a name for her? We're toying with a few. Uh, Leia is at the top of the list right now, um, and people around me keep calling her Leia and like telling everyone we got to meet her first. We got to meet her first, but um, it seems to be the one that's sticking at the moment. We'll see. She might not be a Leia at all. I love the name Leia. That's a beautiful name. I actually have an old friend named Leia, mm. and she's a beautiful soul. Oh, and yeah, we really like it as well. I just, I don't want people to think that I'm a huge Star Wars fan. That's the only problem. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I swear okay, I didn't even good. think of that. But I'm good. also not like the craziest Star Wars fan. I almost said Starbucks. Yeah. Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a bit more Starbucks than Star Wars. But, um, but yeah, I like the name. Are you going to bring him to Bali anytime soon? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess after the baby. Yeah, that's that's the dream is to, to come and, but it will be a visit for now. And um, my partner has a five-year-old who, so it's, and he has um, him half the time. So there's a, that's the kind of biggest tie to London, obviously, but, um, mm, but a yes. visit would be amazing. Yeah. I just feel like there will be completing that part of the chapter of, of baby's life by going back to Bali. I feel like she was energetically conceived in Bali and then physically conceived here. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Really, yeah. So that's my big thing. It's, I mean, it, we've had this wild journey through the pandemic of creating this new business, which we met you just before that all kicked off. And, um, you know, none of us knew what the hell was going on. And, um, and so that's been an amazing journey. And then obviously this is a huge new chapter of my life and and I'm just so excited for it. It's a pretty big chapter. It's a pretty big chapter. And of course, we'll get into your business in a bit, but I also am curious, Rachel, what is lighting you up most in this season of your life? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, this, I mean, this last couple of years, other than the pandemic, I have gone through like deep fatigue and burnout um which I imagine many people can relate to um and as Lucy as Lucy mentioned and I kind of touched on before we we have slash had a retreat company that we had to close obviously because you know there was no tourism and then out of thin air we birthed 
a second business right as everything was going crazy here out of out of necessity also out of deep desire as well to be of service and to you know put our offerings online but through that whole process I burnt myself out quite badly uh, being uh, being a solo mom, being here, you know, my revenue basically just stopping overnight. Um, that definitely led me to sort of rather frantically and furiously working a little too hard and doing a little bit too much. So the last, I mean, not so much now. I've been I've been pretty good for the last probably five six months or so, but. Prior to that, there was it was just kind of one health issue after another after another, um, even so much so that I actually ended up in hospital, which was quite dramatic. Whoa. Um, but so so now is it's it's an interesting phase of my life actually because I've been and I know Lucy understands this because she went through adrenal fatigue about seven years ago, eight years ago. So you know I've I've just been. Sort of mirroring Lucy's footsteps to some degree in that um it's it's really been about really slowing down and really just coming home to myself and not putting pressure on myself and really really taking care of my energy and really honoring it and really deeply listening and you know saying no I mean my, I've my boundaries have been relatively good for a long time but I've really I've really tightened them good <laughs> um, so yeah that's that's really what this has been about and you know balancing that with still being a solo parent to a, a very beautiful and wild four-year-old <laughs> <laughs> has been a really interesting mix that's beautiful and Whew, I think that so many listeners right now really connected with what you just said, because a lot of us were experiencing some sort of fatigue and burnout and just extreme stress that we never thought that we would experience before. And it's beautiful when we have all these tools. And I remember our last episode as well, we were talking about something similar, like when a woman does or any human does experience moments like that and what to do. And it's, it's kind of interesting how sometimes the universe just decided to really give me a severe awakening in it mm. <laughs> in, a, in a way that just made me just want to connect with myself in a grounded, not too out there, but very genuine way. And so I think that everything you just said is beautiful. And I'm curious, what practices did you both of you implement for yourself when experiencing the burnout or whatever you experienced during the pandemic? Mm, yeah, that's a really, a really great question. So many different things for me, many, many different things. One was really honoring when I needed to rest, which is easier said than done, especially when you're running businesses, you're setting up businesses, you've got a small kid, all the things are going on. Um, but I really started to honor that. I really upped my yoga nidra practice. That really got, I think that was kind of one of the big things that got me through. So um, I'm a pretty avid yoga nidra fan. So for those of people that don't know what yoga nidra is it's essentially sleepy yoga uh although you know you're not doing anything you're literally lying down and you're being guided through essentially like a meditation um but it said that 40 minutes of nidra is equivalent to three hours of deep sleep 
So for those of you who are not getting a lot of sleep, which I wasn't also because I co-sleep with my toddler and I, I read a great little meme a while back that says sleeping with a toddler is akin to sleeping with a drunk octopus looking for their car keys. <laughs> which I can only imagine. Which is very much my truth. Um, and so I was doing that every day. And you can do shorter practices. You don't have to do 40 minutes because I know 40 minutes can also be a little unattainable for some people. Um, but I was just regularly maybe two or three times a day doing 15 to 40 minute practices um so that really just helped to stabilize me I'm a massive ice bath fan I'm a massive contrast Mm. bath fan so I do I go every single day to (laughs) the ice baths so that that was part of my routine I commend you yes it's amazing (laughs) and I go to a beautiful place here that's it's gorgeous and so I really allowed myself to rest there as well rather than for example just like rushing to go to the contrast bath, hopping in the bath and then like rushing home again, I would actually pause afterwards and sit on the sun lounger and read a book for a bit. And, you know, just really, really give myself permission to take things a whole bunch slower. Good for you. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add, of course, some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and, of course, a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara. And it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards, so no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E, Medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake-free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. Well, Lucy, as well, I want to know what you did during the pandemic, what you experienced. Did you experience burnout or stress? And how did you, what practices did you implement for yourself to heal? Well, the um, 
The burnout that I experienced the when it was like a big event kind of burnout was, as Rachel mm-hmm. said, about seven years ago, something like that. Um, and I was really, really new to a lot of the kind of yin style and yin as in the opposite of yang um, practices. So I was, um, I, I knew of meditation, but I didn't have a regular practice and um, I'd never heard of yin yoga or a slower type of yoga. Um, and I knew a couple of breath practices, but really didn't know much about, um, how it affected your nervous system and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I also ended up in, in, I actually collapsed at my friend's wedding, ended up in hospital and then had this kind of real fast track, (laughs) a funnier description for a fast track of learning how to slow down. (laughs) Um, and, um, those tools have, have stuck with me for the rest of my, um, you know, since then I didn't experience burnout or, or kind of fatigue, during the pandemic. Um, but I think what was so helpful I, is I was able to recognize and completely sympathize with what Rachel was going through um, because I had been through it myself. And, you, you know, everyone has their own journey to that kind of fatigue. It's so personal. You know, we've tread it trod over our own boundaries and that's different for everyone in some way in some way we've you know we've abused our own boundaries and that's not because we've been reckless or because we've been naive or anything like or perhaps we've been naive but we've not been stupid or anything like that and um it's it's a huge wake-up call but it was one of the biggest wake-up calls I've had and and I know Rachel has felt the same and so I think what was so helpful in understanding exactly where Rachel, what Rachel was going through is that we also were then able to work together to help her to really rest. So someone who doesn't really understand adrenal fatigue or burnout or whatever spectrum you are on that kind of adrenal fatigue um, spectrum you don't fully understand what type of rest you need unless you've really been through it yourself. So what was so lucky is that my energy felt good. It felt really great. And I was able to say to Rachel, right, you're clocking off. <laughs> I'm going to take the reins. We had a, we have great assistance. We have virtual assistance in South Africa. Um, and between um, them and me, we were able to take the reins and Rachel was able to really step back. Um, and it's not the kind of step back that you have for a number of days or even weeks. You need a lot of time. Um, and, um, you know, that felt really good to be able to understand that and to offer that. But then also it was perfect timing as often these things happen with me and Rachel, but, um, Rachel, got to the period where we said, okay, well, then you can start picking up some more work if it feels good for you. And then I got pregnant and I was knocked out for my first trimester with just a complete write-off. And Rachel had more energy at that time. And so she was able to be like, okay, I'll take the reins now. So so we kind of tag teamed for that. Yeah. For that whole period. And, um, that, you know, there's really nothing else you can do except for really step back. You can't 
do your way out of adrenal fatigue or you can't do your way out of any kind of fatigue. And I think that was the biggest lesson for me is I had lots of signs before my adrenal fatigue that something was going off. I lost my periods. My hair started to fall out. I was just wired and yet I wasn't listening to those signs. And so now Rachel and I are way more equipped um, to be able to listen to those signs, but also to be able to really understand that there's no way of just kind of just doing a little bit. Sometimes you really have to step back and be really firm on on what you can do Mm. and what you can't do. You two are so passionate about your business, but I appreciate the fact that you two emphasize because there's a lot of people out there that are hustle, 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 and they feel like they have to continue doing whatever they can to make the money, to get their services out there. But I love that you two emphasize taking things slower, taking some time, having a rest, especially if you're experiencing some sort of severe burnout or fatigue. Well, it depends on the severity. It could be any severity on the spectrum. Um, So what are some signs? What are some signs that people should look out for when they, when you feel like, you know, maybe right now is a good time for you to take a step back and experience some rest? Mm, Yes, yes. Uh, There's, and as Lucy said, it does manifest differently in different people but I mean, one of the things that I think is is good just to notice and this isn't this isn't a sign but you know we've obviously been in the business space for a while and it's quite easy as I discovered to get really carried away by this like grow your business in like three hours type things <laughs> that that people are, are talking about you know this whole these like quantum growths and you know, make $100,000 a month. And it's very easy to get wrapped up in their stories about what they've experienced. And therefore them, you know, say them like coaches, teachers, whatever, believing that it's possible for you to experience that kind of growth as well. And it's not to say that it's not possible, but it's very, very easy to get very carried away, as you said, in this hustle, because, oh my gosh, if I, if I just hustle, now then in six months time I'm going to have this business that's making a hundred thousand dollars a month and and that's where a lot of the problems can lie because as I said yes it can be possible for some people but it's I it's not necessarily possible for everybody and what I'm really relishing in now is actually slow growth slow sustainable growth because we tried the other option and it didn't work (laughs) You know, so it's it's being able to sink back into trust. And I think trust is one of the biggest practices when you're going through something like fatigue or burnout is that, you know, letting go of this expectation that you're going to get the thing, build the business, make the, 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 the excess amount of money that you really want to make. And just go for sustainability because sustainability is sustainable. You know, fast growth is often not sustainable from an energetic perspective. And of course, you know, that, you know, when the pandemic came and people were losing their businesses and money was stopping coming in, like we're all kind of scrambling around like, oh my God, I need to make money. I need to feed my kids. I need to put a roof over my head, which I get, like I so get, but it's often not sustainable So it's really finding ways to grow a business where you are just, you know, you're taking a step every day 
and you're not allowing yourself to fall into that trap of, well, I'll just work, I'll just work this evening and okay, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll just do this weekend and, and, you know, okay, well, I'll just skip my lunch and okay, well, look, I'll, 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 I'll just say no to my kids for this particular activity that I always do with them, but I'm just going to say no to that. Um, and no, and it starts to build from there. So it's really looking, you know, it's, and it's, it's something that I have done very well, but st- even though I've done this well, like I still went through burnout is, you know, I've always nearly always scheduled me first. You know, so when I'm scheduling my calendar, like I'm putting in my yoga classes, I'm putting in, you know, my massages, I'm putting in that before anything else happens. Um, But still, I went through burnout. So that alone is not enough. (laughs) No, I know. I know. I know as well firsthand. I recently experienced burnout when I was hitting the four-year mark of the podcast because I just kept up with the podcast and I made sure to have an episode every Monday. And then four years later or four years into it, for some reason, I couldn't interview anybody. There was something inside of me that was like, I need to take a pause. Mm. I did a ton of solos, but I needed to cut out something for a bit. And that was to do interviews and I didn't do an interview for four months Wow! and until I felt ready. And I think if you have the luxury of the opportunity to find something to cut out, perhaps that, that is another way as well to help you with your energy. And that did actually give me some rest. And now I'm back and I feel ready to interview instead of solos. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. As you were saying that, you know, what one of the things that I keep coming back to and and I know that a lot of people will relate to this as well is is the the biggest thing that we have to anchor into as Rachel says is trust and trust that the world's not going to fall apart if we stop. Trust that the people are still going to come if you take a pause. Trust that even though you might not be doing all the things that you could be doing, that that stuff is still evolving and developing energetically, you know, in the ether, however you want to go, um, how far you want to go into that more esoteric way of viewing it, but that the the growth is coming from the energy that you're putting into it. And so much of what we're conditioned is that in order to get more, you have to do more. And the trust for those people who have reached that burnout where they literally cannot do anything else. And if you ignore the first sign, the second sign is going to get bigger. The third sign is going to get bigger until, you know, Rachel and I ended up in hospital for different reasons, but yeah, it's a pretty big sign by then. And and it's that deep trust that if you do slow down, that everything's going to be fine. And, and you know, we teach a lot of this now in, in, our, in our courses. But one of the things that's so helpful to understand is that when you're in that fight or flight or freeze um, mode and your nervous system is wired, you're, you're looking for danger all the time. So when you need to slow down, your mind is going to be going no, you just need to tick off a few more things off your to-do list. You know, if you don't get that done, then that's not going to get done as well. And, you know, you just start, your mind starts rolling all these excuses. And that's not because it's true what 
your mind is thinking about is true, it's because it's looking for danger because it's trying to keep you alive. And it's trusting that if you do slow down, even though you can't see a way out right now, that in the act of slowing down and honoring yourself, things do work out better. And and also that we, we have to work in seasons and that can't always be go, go, go season. We have to work in, you know, Rachel and I teach um, yin yoga um, with the perspective of the five element theory from traditional Chinese medicine. And a lot of that wisdom looks at seasons as you go from winter to spring, spring to summer, summer to late summer harvest, and then the letting go season of, of autumn. And and it, traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, if you're going to look at the Indian version, so to speak, neither of them say find your default mode and then stick to that mode. They're all saying there are going to be times when you can do a million things and you feel great and you're on top of the world. And there's going to be times when you need to retreat and go in and you can't have that fire all the time. You have to have those winters. And that might be that you slow down during an actual winter, or it might be that you create your own winter, you know, particularly in the tropics where things are very yang and hot and you can... Or it gets yeah, it, for it you. Gets yeah, exactly. <laughs> or it gets forced upon you. And, you know, definitely before my, before my adrenal fatigue, I was just pushing through an energetic summer all the time. Everything was just fire and doing and yang and everything and then my body was just like you can't miss winter and you're trying to miss it so I'm just gonna force it upon you so it's it's so important to understand that we work in seasons and actually that's really good it doesn't mean that like you've got a period where you're like failing and you're demotivating you're not doing well and then you've got a period that you can celebrate because you're doing more it's all should be celebrated because they all inform each other they all support one another and it's the natural way of things it's not we're not meant to sustain one particular mode all through our lives exactly it's just like working a muscle as well they always always emphasize i'm talking about health or fitness professionals always emphasize the importance of rest when you begin working out the importance of resting your muscle and that actually creates more strength and that's also the same with the human condition and i'm glad i'm so thankful that you brought that up and i'm curious more about this five elements theory and yin yoga and your specific yin yoga practice and the benefits that listeners who are curious about yin yoga may receive if they begin to practice it yeah so i'll i'll start and then rachel can fill in the bits that i forget <laughs> But um, if you think of your sort of classic city, heated, yang, vinyasa flow class, yin is like the polar opposite. So you might, in an hour class, you might just do five poses. Those poses are very passive. So you're, you're just staying in the pose for a number of minutes. And you're often supported by bolsters or blocks and the rather than than trying to work the muscles like you would in a yang style class I'm calling those energetic more heated classes yang style is the opposite of yin um, in yin yoga you're targeting the fascia so fascia is the web-like sheets that run over the organs and the muscles and they really hold the body together it's a much drier tissue 
and takes a lot of emotional and physical strain in the body. So we're targeting that tissue rather than the more malleable muscles. And the style of yin yoga that we teach takes a lot of influence from a modern five element theory, which comes from traditional Chinese medicine. And this, this is, um, this is matched with the meridians. So in, in yoga, you'd say nadis or energy lines and meridians are essentially the same, but a different map. And so we are using these poses to access the fascia and, and to access these meridians. And these meridians correlate with the five elements according to traditional Chinese medicine, which are water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And the teachings from the five element theory asks us to look at this cyclical relationship we have with these elements. We can look at them in terms of the seasons. So water is winter, wood is autumn, fire is summer, earth is late summer. So you can think of harvest and things coming from the earth and then metal is autumn. And the different elements relate to emotions as well as these meridians. So at the beginning, and when I started learning it, because I had come from more of a yoga or Indian uh, teachings and lineage before, I I was just kind of, my mind was blown by (laughs) all these different kind of like, you have a metal element, you know, I've never heard of this before. The teachings really ask us to look at this cyclical influence that happens throughout the year but it also happens in our life we have moments where we go in as I said before and we have moments where we are more yang and extrovert and and celebrating life in a more outward way and so as well as targeting the fascia and these different types of tissue which are not always targeted in exercise or in yoga we're also looking at this wisdom, which is so old, you know, thousands of years old, to help us to understand the nature of things and and how we can work with the rhythms of nature rather than fighting them. And if we do fight them, it gives us a pretty clear idea of how our body responds and how it shows us the signs that it's out of balance as well as when you're back in balance as well. So a yin yoga class, you, if you've got a teacher who um, teaches from the perspective of five element theory, they might introduce a class um, with a particular element, with the meridians before guiding you through the class. And if you're new to it, you don't have to understand any of it to get the benefits. It can be a deep, deep rest, or it can spark some interest in understanding a little bit more about this really ancient wisdom as well that helps us to stay in tune with nature's rhythm rather than constantly fighting it. You were talking earlier about the winter season and the late spring, late summer season in our life. And I think that yin yoga is a beautiful practice for an everyday experience of having a winter moment, not so much of a dark winter, but just say rest and relaxation. But also there's our times when we might experience discomfort or something in yoga, in yin yoga. Should we worry about the discomfort or does that mean progress or should we not be experiencing discomfort? Yeah, actually that's a a really good point. I'm going to hand over to Rachel so she can talk about it. But um, definitely our relationship with discomfort, and I like that you said discomfort rather than pain, is definitely a, a, 
something that is quite can be quite um challenging for a lot of people i'll let rachel take over from here mm. Yeah, thanks. That was a beautiful explanation, Lucy. Um, and just just finishing off the, the the part about the seasons and Raquel, you you kind of touched on it where you know Lucy's talked about you know we have these seasons, but these seasons can exist in in any any kind of time frame, right? We have all of those seasons in every minute. We have all of those seasons in every hour. We have all of those seasons in every day. So, for example, winter correlates to nighttime. Um, autumn correlates to the kind of late afternoon evening as we're releasing our day so what's been so helpful for me and I think many people that that we've taught because we also teach teachers how to teach yin yoga we have a teacher training Um, we were doing it in person it's it's now just online but hopefully one day we'll start it in person again Um, is that you know, being able just to witness these cycles like through the day. And because as Lucy mentioned, each um, each season correlates to an emotion as well. So, you know, when we're feeling stuff, we can, we can start to kind of correlate it to like, oh, you know, okay, I'm feeling this. Maybe I need more rest. Or maybe it's time for me to look at like what, you know, what fears I'm not addressing or what's kind of holding me back or what, you know, what am I grieving right now? So it's a really, it's, it really helps to kind of guide us through, you know, not only through our year in a, in a very kind of macro perspective, but through all of our days as well. Um, So it's a very beautiful, such a beautiful system. Um, And yes. And, and so to your, to your question about discomfort. So contrary to, some people's belief yin is not necessarily the most comfortable practice. <laughs> um, it sounds lovely and it can be lovely. It can be, you know, just very sweet and very nurturing and you just kind of lie on the floor in different shapes and you hug a bolster and sometimes you might even fall asleep, especially if you're really tired, um, particularly if you're, you know, a new parent. Um, but it can also be really uncomfortable not only from a physical perspective but also from an emotional perspective because for example as as has kind of been the theme of this chat so far many people don't really know how to stop and they don't really know how to slow down and one of the things that you know the, the Lucy and I talk about quite a lot and I talk about also a lot in my personal practice and I I coach people specifically around the nervous system is that we, we need rest every day, not just sleep. We, need, we also need to be awake in restfulness. And a lot of people don't understand what restfulness actually is. And for a lot of people, their rest will be lying on the couch watching Netflix or lounging in their bed, scrolling on Instagram. And anything where there's a screen involved is really not rest because for for many people and i and i actually kind of had this this massive realization more recently was that my fatigue and burnout was actually not physical it was mental and what i mean by that is it's not i mean yes i was busy like i'm a very fit active person and i've got a very very active child so yes it's not like it's not like i'm a, a sloth sitting around you know drinking coca cola eating cakes and doing nothing but it really was a mental burnout that manifested physically in my body 
because, you know, I am an intellect and I, I do love information and, you know, I, I have businesses and I love studying and I'm always looking for like new things and I'm very stimulated mentally. And I became overly stimulated because of all these kind of pressures that I put on myself and that were, you know, um, present in the world. And I couldn't let my mind rest. And that then translated into physical symptoms. So for me, yes, I needed, I did need physical rest, but I also needed to, to find a good balance of movement that supports me. Less intake of information was really key. And so if you're, you know, and I believe, I strongly believe that the vast majority, not everybody, but the vast majority of burnouts and fatigues that are happening now, are, are, are what I went through is actually a mental burnout that is manifesting physically. So if you have a mental burnout, and perhaps you're, you're not moving your body in the way that your body really desires to move, then sitting on the couch, scrolling or being on Netflix is really not it's just simply not restful in the way that it needs to be right rest is sitting without stimulation like not even reading a book right which is like people are like what like how can you sit and not 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 entertain your mind in some way and and you know resting can also just be taking a walk in nature it could be having a really nourishing conversation with somebody that you genuinely really love right there's many different ways that we can rest you can have creative rest so you could be doing something really beautiful and creative for example um but so translating this into yin yoga is that we you're asked in yin yoga to be in relative stillness in a pose that a the pose could be quite confronting because you might have tight hips and it might be a pose that's getting into the hips but you're also asked to to sit with what is and the reason why so many people struggle to rest and i mean really rest like i say not being mentally stimulated is because they're not comfortable being with what is being with whatever arises in that moment right because what can arise is like a ton of thoughts and our thoughts are not always the most pleasant as you know one of one of the guys whose books we've read um michael singer talks about which i love is that you know if you if you could take your thoughts out of your head and literally put them into a body, like embody them and live with that person. You would have divorced them years ago. Oh, dear. Um, right like our our thoughts are wild and it's and it's normal right we all have really weird bizarre incessant thoughts and one of the ways that we try to disconnect from our feelings, from our emotions, from our thoughts, from our sensations in our body is by mentally distracting ourselves. So when we then come into this container of yin yoga where there is no TV, there is no scrolling, there's no book, you know, there's maybe not even music, the teacher might not even be talking, we're suddenly left with everything that is present in that moment which can be deeply, deeply uncomfortable if you're not used to it. So that is a huge thing for people, right? And, and as well, and the physical as well, is that I know for myself that I have a particular body type, as everybody has their own kind of body type, and my body type is very mobile. And, you know, I have a more of a propensity to stretchier type of 
movement modalities because I'm quote unquote good at them. And we have this propensity to, to be drawn to that which our body is more suited to. And we have a propensity to be repelled from stuff that our body is less suited to, which is why you have a lot of bendy That's flexi true. women going to yoga <laughs> and not a lot of big stacked muscly men going to yoga. So, you know, when, when you do end up finding a, you know, potentially a practice, you know, like yin yoga, and let's say you have a stiffer body type, um, that's just naturally a bit stiffer, perhaps your hips aren't just aren't ever going to be as open, then sitting in this place where again you have to be with this sensation and we we very specifically as lucy pointed out we call it sensation rather than pain because pain is this kind of whitewash label that we've come to use to ex to basically express a negative experience of discomfort right of of a, of a sensation and when you know and and we all have a we all have an experience of pain of real pain, right? Like I'm, we've all been through something where like that physically really hurt. You know, for me, mine was natural childbirth. Like that was, you know, that was extreme sensation. <laughs> I could definitely mm-hmm. label it as pain. Um, but everybody's pain threshold is different. So what I might experience as, as painful, somebody else might not and vice versa. So we have this instant negative connotation with pain. So if we're using, you know, Lucy and I are very mindful of of our words in life, but also, you know, when we're teaching, um, we don't label things as pain because that instantly gives somebody an image of what might of what they might be experiencing, but rather just like there is discomfort that is present in the body, and can we sit with that discomfort without labeling it? as painful because then the stories become the stories really ramp up as soon as we're labeling something as painful it's like oh my god this is really painful oh my gosh I've got to get out this isn't safe I need to find something else right and of course there is a limit in yin yoga we're not sitting through absolutely everything you know we're not pushing our way through something that is tensing up our body and making us really retract but we're we're just being aware so if if there is this sensation that rises in a practice like in yoga we're just watching it we're aware of it and if it gets to a point where it doesn't feel like a sensation that we can just sit and observe then we mindfully choose to move ourselves into another position and that's it's such an amazing analogy for life I think so much of yin yoga is right is that we we get to observe uncomfortable situations and and certain people based on you know what you've been shown and you know your traumas your histories your everything some people have more of a, an inkling to just like toughen their way through anything right and this can be a yin yoga class and it can be life and it could be a relationship, right? It could be absolutely anything, right? There could be all this stuff coming up and they're just like, no, I'm just sticking with it. I don't care. I'm going, I'm just like pushing my way through, you know, for better or worse. And then you've got other people that the slightest hint of any kind of discomfort they've, they've, they've run, you know, anything, right? And so, and we can see this, this, this manifests, we see it in yoga classes, right? We can see people's, how they deal with challenges in a in a yoga class, right? If somebody is sitting and they're deeply uncomfortable and their eyes can't 
their eyes are moving all over the place and they just can't sit still and they're constantly shifting like that says a lot about somebody and, and not in a judgmental way but like all oh, right that is how you deal with uncomfortable situations or there's somebody that's like gripping and they've just got this hard face and they're like you could tell they're in so much discomfort but they're not responding to it they're just determined to like finish the class You're like right that's we can see that's how you navigate certain situations in life Mm, isn't it beautiful as well that yin yoga if you allow yourself mentally to recognize like i'm in i'm experiencing some discomfort right now but if i just stay here and you just stay with it somehow that does end up translating in life because we're always going to experience discomfort and i think that's a beautiful um, expression that yin yoga offers as well and it helps us it helps us in life and in those moments of discomfort what do you recommend people focus on while they're in a pose so that they they allow themselves, unless it's like, of course, a sharp pain, when can they move or when can they just sit there and relish or just be in the moment, be in the discomfort and just experience it? I can take that question. We, we are very mindful of how new people are to a practice like yin yoga as well. And... We are also mindful of pointing out, first of all, there are certain sensations that you do want to um, veer away from because, as Rachel said, there are lots of different people who will um, respond to their yoga poses and yin yoga poses particularly as they often do in life. For instance, I had a a student who came up to me. I, I bumped into him two weeks after he came to a class. It was the only class he came to. And I said, you know, how did you get on? And, you know, I knew this guy had some particular, um, um, physical, um, tightness that he wanted to resolve. And he was just like, I was crippled the next day. I, you know, I couldn't walk. I I just, I, yeah, it's not for me. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, what happened? And so I asked, you know, you know, how did you feel during the poses? And he was just like, it was so painful. And, you know, I was just, I, I was just in absolute agony the whole time. And, and I remember that class, I remember him coming and I remember being really mindful about saying, you know, this is a sensation. You want to feel it about 70%. If there's anything that you would describe as sharp shooting, you know, anything like that, then you want to just back off. And, but I know that this guy's mind, the way he works as well is, is just grin and bear it, grit your teeth and bear it. So I was tailoring the class to, to try and encourage him, but, but at the same time, you know, it, it, you can open the door and, and have an invitation for someone, but they might not necessarily walk through it. And so we are really mindful of, of how we describe what the sensations might be um, and not um, particularly for those who might have a tendency to grin and bear it. And so it, it's, it's we're looking for a sensation that might feel more intense than you're used to, but we then guide people through some things that they might focus their mind on, particularly if they're new to the practice. So it might be nice to focus on the breath, for instance. It might be nice to take a body scan. And so it's kind of, it's it's guiding the mind 
gently through this experience rather than throwing the mind in the deep end and just be like, just deal with it, just be okay with it. It's all in your mind anyway. You shouldn't have a problem with it rather than that, but really nurturing the mind and just a, a lot of it's to do with safety because if we are in this kind of like um, reactive uh, um state and especially if we've been very busy during the day or busy in our lives or busy in the last few years then we can be more reactive to strong sensations or or, or even um, block our minds off from something that is painful and not serving you because we just feel that we should just be able to deal with it so it's it's helping to nurture the mind very very gently into forming a different relationship with what is understanding that things might not be necessarily comfortable but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to run away from it and then understanding that we don't as, as well as not running away from something that's uncomfortable we also don't grit our teeth and just bear it just because we've been the teachers told to so it's it's really an empowering practice because you are the only one to make those decisions and 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 i definitely know when i look back at my at the beginning of understanding and practicing yin yoga i came from a professional dance background so I'm very flexible, like Rachel, and I remember the first few times, you know, maybe I had an injury, or maybe I was just feeling a bit stiff in a particular area, or maybe I was sat next to someone who was more flexible than me, and it was a real ego test of just allowing myself to take a step back, and I was the only one that knew I had to do that, and so it's it's asking you to empower yourself. It's asking yourself to be kind to yourself and be so honest with yourself as well. And, and that as well can be comforting. So a, a big part of a yin yoga teacher's role is to create a very safe space so that people can experience these things or explore these things that otherwise they might shy away from because they don't feel safe to be with what is. Oh, that is so important, especially since when you walk into those classes, you feel somewhat vulnerable. And yes, you do. Your your ego does get checked indeed. I also want to acknowledge the other beautiful side of yin yoga. I do attribute my flexibility. I'm a, I genuinely believe it has more to do with the yin yoga than the yang because I had to sit and really deepen the poses. Do you feel like that might have been your experiences as well? I think for, for me, I think my challenges are different I th for being really flexible because if you're not flexible, then you meet those challenges straight away of maybe I'm not good enough oh, everyone else is more flexible than me. And you actually have an invitation much earlier on to really look at what stories your mind is going going on, going through. Whereas for someone who's very flexible, they their ego can quite happily sit through an entire class and be like, oh, it's quite easy actually, or just know that they're the most flexible there. And 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 one of the teachings is is that we're targeting fascia and we're targeting meridian and that has nothing to do with how flexible you are 
the mm. pose that you know my brother will do as a guy and who's a, you know who doesn't stretch as often will target the fascia in a different way in which my body will target the fascia and we're both doing it right because we're both targeting the fascia so I don't necessarily think that being more flexible means that the whole totality of, of yin yoga is easier for you because you can quite, the ego can be quite satisfied for a longer period and you don't have that invitation to really look at what is challenging you mentally as well in some poses because you're just happily sitting there with your legs, you know, really wide apart and you're flopped forward over a bolster and you could have a a nap there. Whereas other people's minds are like, oh my God, I'm so stiff. No one else is as stiff as me. I shouldn't be here. You know, my belly's hanging out, you know, all these kind of things. Whereas it was actually for, for people who have those much, um, more apparent challenges have an invitation to go inwards much sooner. So it, yes, you might be able to look like you're, you're doing, you know, a a quote unquote better version of the pose, but you're really not. And actually you're kidding yourself if you think you are. Yeah. I just noticed that something opened up within me because I was what used to be the least flexible person in a yoga class. And that wasn't my goal, but going to yin yoga, I just felt like something opened me up more and it was a struggle indeed, but it was worth it. And I assumed in my mind, I was like, maybe it has something to do with the yin, all the yin yoga classes I was taking because something opened me up and I don't know what the switch was, but I attribute it to yin yoga. And I think what you said is so beautiful because everybody's bodies are so different and everybody has a different experience in the room. I have an old friend where he couldn't open up his hip flexor at all because of his bone structure. And so when we went to yin yoga class, he had a completely different experience, had to do completely different poses that worked for him. And yeah, it's it's actually beautiful to see the diversity in the rooms in that way. Yeah. And and also, I'll, Rachel, I'll let you speak in a minute, but I realize I'm going on. But, but also, you know, you said you've done a lot of yang style yoga classes for a while, and then it was yin that really allowed you to open up. And I think that's also a testament that we're targeting the fascia and the different um, different t- the joints as well as the fascia, and and so a lot of the time also with the um, the nature of the yang classes, we're kind of like doing 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 more and more and more, and actually you've experienced how much more space you can create both in your body and in your mind when you do less, when actually you slow down, and I think that is really the one of the most beautiful thing about yin yoga and I'm so pleased that you found that as well physically as well as mentally and and emotionally I'm sure as well Mm, chills exactly and I know that you teach yin yoga I have to commend you two for having yin yoga specific training classes because wherever we go we can always find a yang class we can always find a vinyasa a power yoga a shtanga whatever wherever we go we can find those sorts of classes but there's not enough teachers out there teaching proper yin yoga so I'm thankful that you two have a training and I'd love to hear more about your trainings I know that you go beyond yin yoga you also do breath work and meditation and whatever else so I'm curious to hear more about that 
Yeah, thank you. And it's it. I mean, we we love what we do, obviously. And it's it's funny that you know both both Lucy and I we're, we're quite mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're quite, you know, we're quite sort of we're real go getters. We've always been very active, as Lucy mentioned. She was a professional dancer, and as as you and I were talking about just before we hopped on here, like I was, uh, I sailed a race professionally on boats for ten years. And, you know, so both Lucy and I came from these really intensely yang backgrounds. You know, we were constantly doing, we were constantly on and both our personalities, like we're, we're, you know, we're both big personalities as well. So it's, it's really magical that we have a both come together, but b really created our business in, you know, what we describe as the subtle practices of yin yoga and breath work and meditation and, um, you know, we, a few years back, we had a yin yoga training in person in Bali before the pandemic. Um, and as I mentioned, we haven't yet restarted that in person. We, I'm sure we will do at some point in the future once we, you know, Lucy has her baby and gets into her rhythm and we, we get into a new rhythm as well as a, as business partners. Um, but when, uh, as, as we've talked about before, when the pandemic hit and we had to close our retreat company, Lucy and I were sat somewhat scratching our head going, right, right. Okay. What do we, what do we do? Uh, what now? Cause obviously we had no idea how this was, how long this was going to go on for, um, what was going to happen. And we, we decided to create a breath coach training. So I, I had launched a little breath course, not a, not a training course, not a teacher training, uh, prior to the pandemic. And I was funnily enough, I think I was in a yoga nidra class, um, just at the start of the pandemic. And that's when, when I'm in yin, when I have, when I do my nidra is when I get my downloads, like it's so, it's so consistent. It's so consistent. It's amazing. And I had this vision of creating a breath coach training. So I, I, I think I messaged Lucy and was like, get home now. <laughs> I've got this idea. So kind of downloaded this idea to her. And within three weeks from, from me expressing that idea, we had created what is now our 25-hour breath coach training. And I think we'd enrolled about 80 or 90 students. And so we recorded... I don't know, what was it? It was like 100 videos or 90 videos in three weeks for this training. Um, marketed it, sold it, put it up onto a platform, you know, and actually started the course. And it was amazing. And it's been, and, and we still, you know, we still have it now. And it's, we've taken over 300 people through our breath coach training. Wow, that's amazing. It's, it's, it is amazing. And it really has transformed lives. And it's it's quite a unique training in many ways. Like there's there's a fair amount of what we call like breath practitioner trainings now, which are long courses. You know, they're typically maybe a couple of years long, and and they teach the dynamic practices. And you know, I'm sure there are listeners here who have who have gone to those classes where you know, you're lying down and you're you're doing this thing called circular breathing, where you're breathing typically in and out through the mouth continuously, and you know, it's a very cathartic practice. Um, it can be, so I should say it can be very cathartic. That's a good word for it. <laughs> um, yes. And it can be very intense and then it can be, it can be a really beautiful practice. Um, it can also not be, and it's kind of with anything, like if anything's done wrong, you know, if you're not in the right kind of space, right frame of mind, you know, whatever, you know, many practices cannot be what 
you think they should be. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed, particularly um, in breath classes, because there's a lot of them here, is that it, it does end up being a little bit of a one size fits all. And there isn't a lot of explanation about what can happen. And there isn't even there isn't like an assessment of, of people and their, their how they breathe before they step into a class. And this is something that I've been really passionate about for a long time is 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 basic breathing. Because what I what I observe is a lot of people miss over this or step over this this idea of like do do you actually breathe well like let's and and this is essentially what our breath coach training is about is is teaching people themselves how to breathe well and then obviously them being able to pass on that knowledge to other people as as a breath coach but looking looking at the body from a place of function versus dysfunction and you know and and really quite anatomical and physiological because a lot of us i'm going to go out on a limb and say the vast majority of people have a breathing dysfunction it's not something to be alarmed about it's not like oh my god what's going on uh but through stress through trauma through events our breath changes and that's natural it's absolutely meant to do that like think about if you like hear a loud noise like a really loud noise what happens is you go (gasps) And everything moves up. And then hopefully, you know, everything's okay and you can drop your shoulders and you can take your breath back down into your belly and everything's fine. But for some people, that's not the case. There's there, there's always a stress. There's always something that's triggering them. And that long-term stress changes how we breathe. And breath is life. Breath is the most important fundamental thing we do. And it's so much of our physical, mental, emotional health challenges actually have a root in not breathing very well, not having a really good, strong diaphragm, really good, supportive, strong, you know, other muscles that we use to breathe, not really understanding how we should be breathing and where we should be breathing, because there's many different ways we can breathe. And so it's like, is your body utilizing the right style of breath for the situation that you're in the chances are it's not and so we that's really what we impart in our training is getting people to understand the breath understand dysfunction understand like how to observe dysfunction in other people and in themselves and work work um, along a path to sort of correcting that and then from that place we can go and explore these dynamic practices but a lot of the time um, in these dynamic practices, I mentioned there is no, there's no mention of like, well, let's just check out if you're breathing correctly. Like if you're, because there's a style of breathing called paradoxical breathing, which means that you're literally, your body is working against itself. So typically, for example, when we breathe in, our lungs inflate, our diaphragm descends into our body and our belly can move outwards. And when we breathe out, the opposite happens. Our belly can draw in, our diaphragm moves upwards and our lungs deflate. But in paradoxical breathers, what happens is they breathe in, the lungs inflate, but the diaphragm doesn't really descend and the belly sucks in rather than goes out. And when they breathe out, the belly goes out. And some people can kind of switch into this paradoxical breathing throughout the day. And it's actually a trauma response. It's what happens, you know, when we've gone through a lot of trauma and, one of the things that I, I we talk about on the course is that when somebody's a paradoxical breather, some of the things that you can know um, 
if you're a paradoxical breather, is that you might find cues in yoga classes really confusing. So if somebody says, inhale, take your arms up, you might be like, that just feels weird. Or if you're doing kind of cat-cows and you just can't get the breathing right, like every time they're saying inhale, you're exhaling, every time they say exhale, you're inhaling, and you're just like, oh my God, I'm all sorts of confused. And like clumsiness as well, like that's a, a quite a, a, a classic character trait of paradoxical breathers. So for example, if this is a really strong pattern of yours, you shouldn't be doing dynamic practices because you're basically building a house on a very unstable foundation very very unstable foundation and you're you're reiterating whatever um, dysfunction you've got in your body you're you're pushing it further into your physiology and so that's why some people really struggle or have a hard time with kundalini or other exercises like that absolutely and you know these open you know and this is something that I'm very big about as well obviously having gone through fatigue is that a lot of these open mouth practices are destabilizing for our nervous system mm. so if you already have a very very uh, dysregulated nervous system doing a dynamic open mouth practice is going to dysregulate you even further mm -hmm. because when we breathe through an open mouth, it actually activates more the sympathetic part of our nervous system, which is the fight or flight. But when we nose breathe, then we're getting more into our, our parasympathetic, like the, the, the kind of more the rest digest part of our nervous system. So, you know, there's so much, there's so much else that's at play in these practices, you know, especially the big dynamic practices, then we realize, which is why, partly why we created this training, because we just didn't really see any kind of bridging courses out there. We didn't see yeah. anything that kind of allows people to understand the basics of the breath and to really work on just breathing well before we start adding the bells and whistles to it. You know, it's like, make sure that your breathing is currently supporting your physiology. Ooh. And then let's explore the other stuff. If you have the time, do you mind exploring or sharing a breathing exercise for a minute or two with the listeners yeah do you want me to do that now yeah if you have the time yeah sure beautiful so let's um I mean we're just gonna I mean it's all so simple okay it's we're not reinventing the wheel mm -hmm. at all here simplicity is great we love simplicity simplicity is so good <laughs> but what we'll we'll do we'll do a practice called extended exhale so our inhale relates to our sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight part. And our exhale relates to our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest, digest, repair part of our nervous system. And we want to be spending more time in our parasympathetic than in our sympathetic. And, and, and the sympathetic is not bad, the fight or flight. Like it's we don't want to demonize it because that's also the um the state of play right when we're in that that's we can be playful when we're in that but we want to we really want to carve out more of this groove this easy groove between the two states because if if we don't have this easy groove between the two states where we can easily trans like um uh, so transport ourselves between the two then we tend to get stuck in the fight or flight so when we do this practice called extended exhale and there's there's lots of different practices that um can create different states in our body, right? Like we can, there's practices that can take us from this kind of restful state into more of a, a, a elevated state. There's practices that can take us from an elevated state more into a calm state, there's so many different things. But when we extend the exhale, we are inviting ourselves more into the parasympathetic, into the rest digest, because we're extending that which is more connected to 
the state of rest. So you can do this wherever you are. So if you're sitting, just stay seated. But I would definitely invite you to have a nice long spine. Um, so resting your head above your hips. And you can do this lying down if you're lying somewhere nice and comfy. And you can even do this driving, but just don't close mm-hmm. your eyes, obviously. Thank you for saying uh, that. But if, you, it's, <laughs> if it is safe to close your eyes, close your eyes. And just take a nice full deep breath in to your belly. And a nice deep breath out. And just do that one more time. Nice deep breath in and ideally through your nose. But if that doesn't feel okay, then you just breathe through your mouth. That's fine. And then I'm going to start adding some counts to the breath. So just breathe in for the count of one, two, three. Breathe out to the count of three, two, three. And I'm just going to start to slowly extend the exhale. Breathe in to the count of three, two, three. Breathe out to the count of three two, three, breathe into the count of three, two, three, breathe out to the count of four, two, three, four, breathe into the count of three, two, three, breathe out to the count of four, two, three, four, breathe into the count of three, two, three, breathe into the count of five, two, three, four, five, breathe into the count of three, two, three, breathe into the count, breathe out to the count of five, two, three, four, five. So we're going to do it for six now. Breathe into count of three, two, three. Breathe into the count, breathe out to the count of six. But if six feels too far, then just go to five, three, four, five, six. Breathe into the count of three, two, three. Breathe out to the count of six two, three, four, five, six. And we'll do one more round. Breathe into the count of three, two, three, and out for six, two, three, four, five, six. So now just allow your breath to return to a natural pattern. So no controlling of the breath. And just observe, just observe for a moment how you feel. And it's okay if it doesn't feel any different. There's no expectation. But oftentimes we can notice that perhaps there's just a a slight slowing down of the mind or a, a greater sense of feeling grounded or a little bit more present. And then you can open your eyes if they're closed and just come back into your day. That was lovely. Thank you, Rachel. You're so welcome. And, you know, it really, sometimes that's all it takes, right? It's just these little pauses. It doesn't have to be these big, long practices where we're setting ourselves up 
at an altar or on our mat. Like we could just, you know, we could just stop, drop and and breathe or not even stop, you know, just focus on some breathing. Mm, Beautiful. I love how many teachers like yourselves are now sharing more practical ways of approaching this because people can get intimidated by the, by how rigid some practices may seem like you have to sit on a cushion this way. And you are like, you can lie Mm. down, you can just sit, whatever feels right. I love that ease and that flow. That's more inviting for a lot of humans. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's something that's, is definitely important for, for both me and Lucy in that just making things so attainable so that people actually do them Mm, beautiful do you two have time for a quick rapid fire sure yeah amazing okay coffee or tea 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 what kind of tea anything without caffeine ah i'm on raspberry leaf now because i'm in the last four weeks (laughs) of my pregnancy so now i'm taking raspberry leaf to help (gasps) me with um I can't remember what it's supposed to help me with, but my doula said I should drink it. So that's what I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Of course, I love that you have a doula as well. Oh, yeah. um, do you prefer sage or Palo Santo? Sage. Ooh. Mm. Oh, it depends. Depends. I have both. Like both. <laughs> yes. Like both works Equally. as well. Do you have a fave form of body movement? Surfing. Chinku's a great place for that. Mm, yeah. For me at the moment, it's very somatic, intuitive movements that support my nervous system. Mm. Um, where is your happy place? <laughs> at the ocean. Surfing. <laughs> at the ocean, just being at the ocean. Does your um, man surf, Lucy? Yes, thank goodness because someone did ask me when I was single before I met like would you go out with someone who didn't surf and I felt so bad because I was like "Ah, (laughs) it would just be so inconvenient (laughs) but I luckily of all the challenges that I've had you know moving countries without knowing and and all those kind of things um yeah that's not one of them luckily he surfs and we've surfed together while I wasn't too big with my pregnancy so um yeah, he does. Oh, I bet you're excited <laughs> to get back out there. I am. I really am. <laughs> Do you both know your big three in astrology by any chance? And if not, just your sun sign? Um, Virgo with Pisces, Moon, and Taurus rising. Yeah, I'm Aquarius, Sun, and I, I'm Sagittarius. I think I'm Sagittarius, Moon, mm-hmm. and I. that's about as far as I can go. <laughs> That works. Um, (laughs) You both have a morning routine by any chance? I don't at the moment. Mine is so. (laughs) That's fair. My routine, yeah, my routine actually, uh, the routine is different because my energy is just so up and down at the moment with pregnancy. So I'm really having to just give myself a lot of time in bed and. Um, I sometimes go for a walk and sometimes I have to go back to sleep and that's changed throughout the three trimesters. So at the morning, at the moment, there is no routine and, and that is, that is my routine. (laughs) Many mamas and pregnant mamas are going to be very happy to hear that because they likely can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not alone. (laughs) I know that. Um, my, I do, it's not a static routine. Um, I, that's definitely one of one of the things that over the years I've given myself permission to 
well, listen, listen to my body and do, you know, do, do what works for me on any situation. Cause you know, although I'm not pregnant like Lucy, you know, I still have a young child and we, as I mentioned, we do co-sleep, so we don't always sleep the best, but it's a combination. Like I say, I always go to the contrast baths typically in the morning at some point. Um, there'll be, there's often meditation in there. There's, there's a, a small breath practice in there. I do some Qigong. Um, I, I recently did a, a 10 day Zen retreat, which is definitely a conversation for another day. It was immense and intense. Uh, but off the back of that, I have been doing some really specific kind of squat exercises um, to build strength in my knees because previously my knees were quite bad from a meniscus perspective, but now they're not since doing the retreat. So I'm continuing kind of my maintenance of like strengthening my knees. Um, so yes, a, a, a real combination of things. That's important. That's beautiful. And, and of course, Rachel, your morning is just beginning or just began. Mm. It's almost 6am there. Five to six. Yeah. I will be going back to sleep. Okay. Yes. okay. So my morning's beginning, but it's going to end again. <laughs> I just recently, after years of deciding not to have a routine for some time, I just recently, just because I feel like it, have a new one. And so I think that that's beautiful. You guys are always ta- you guys are talking about seasons. And so I think it's great to be compassionate with whatever season you're in. If you mm. feel like one, if you don't feel like one, Hey, it's going to ebb mm. and flow. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then this is the last question I've asked you both before, and you're going to likely have a completely different answer. How would you both advise the, your own magic listeners to create their own magic? Trust, trust in wh- whatever, whatever lights you up even though it might not have a particular end goal or it might not seem quote unquote productive or even you know pay the bills or whatever trust in that little voice and follow it and magic will happen beautiful Mm, yes along along a similar vein to what lucy said so I was reading something yesterday and I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines, if you want to, you know, if you want to create a life that is, you know, whatever, like full of joy or full of magic or full of whatever, do something every day that is that, right? So, you know, if, you, if you're wanting to, you know, recreate your life or really make it into something that feels more aligned is that what can you do even if it's just one tiny little thing every day what can you do that like deepens you into that and and often as has been the theme of this whole conversation it does involve spaciousness because it's hard for us to tap into magic intuition source whatever we want to reference that when we are constantly like on the back foot you know that magic and that intuition can only flourish in spaciousness Mm, i really feel that i connect with that so deeply Mm. uh where can everyone connect with you two well we have the whole health project so the whole health project.co and um the whole the whole the underscore whole, whole health project on instagram and that's where we um host our courses um and we also have a Facebook group, The Whole Health Project, where we invite people to come in and then we have a bunch of practitioners from around the world to come and present workshops and classes and talks on there. So there's so much to dive in. So 
that's where you can connect us for the whole health project and then we have our own um instagrams lucy foster perkins and rachel fernley as well um, for our individual lives and projects Mm, I love that. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And I truly, truly love this conversation. It just felt so grounding and easeful and I deeply connected with it. And I absolutely adore you too. I'm so thankful that I've gotten to meet you in person and I hope I get to see you guys in person in Bali again someday. Yeah. You come on again for a part three. This has been so amazing. Yeah. We'd love that. (laughs) Yeah. It feels really special to be back with you. So thank you so much. Oh, it feels so special and congratulations again, Lucy. I'm sure that she's going to be such an angel and Rachel, I hope that you enjoy your sleep. Well, both of you, because Lucy, you're going to bed now too. I so am. Good night, I guess, to both of you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. So nice to connect. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.